Hello, spooky people, and welcome back to That Spooky Life. Hope you guys have had a lovely week. For better or for worse, I hope that if it was worse, that it has made you stronger and leads you to a better place. We are still in Mercury Retrograde, a time of introspection and review and potentially travel problems and communication problems, as we all are probably at least passingly familiar with. I've talked about it before, but I hope it's not treating you too poorly. We have some wonderful stories as usual today. Some spookier and more upsetting than others, but that's what we're here for, right? So let's dive right in. My story this week is an interesting personal experience with some spooky elements. The story takes place at a friend's house. This house was a place where we would all get together and hang out far from anything that would be considered suburban out in the sticks of Northwest Georgia. It was a place of protection, acceptance, love, really good food, fun times, uh, friendly ancestral ghosts, and where uh, most of the time the pitch black dark that only the absence of urban influence can create these days wasn't terrifying on a primal level. Most of the time. On this particular night, many of us had gathered, and I am changing the names of everyone involved for the nature of this story, as you will see as we go on. Not everybody's out of the broom closet, and, you know, the people involved may not uh, wish it to be known that they were involved, so know that none of the names that you are going to hear are accurate. Uh, there were seven of us, to my recollection, gathered for dinner and some gaming, but as we occasionally do, we got caught up talking and just catching up. It had been, I mean, it had been a little while since we'd played and we'd been able, you know, it had been a minute since we'd been able to make time to sort of see one another in our busy adult lives, as happens. And we ended up chatting and just hanging out far more than actually getting down to doing any playing or gaming or anything like that. So we were all, of course, fine with this, as we were friends, and we are still friends. And uh, the nature of friendship is sometimes a double-edged sword. Um, it provides comfort, uh, welcome, and safe place for one to be unapologetically themselves. A, a needed release and bearing of the soul, as opposed to, you know, all the daily masks we wear during our day-to-day our -day lives. Um, but the flip of that being that there is a person or people in this world that know you really well, your worst, your best, and care about you and your well-being, even when you may not want to let anyone know something is wrong. On that night, my friend Bunny seemed tense, reserved. She was laughing when we were telling jokes. She was sharing thoughts here and there. She was participating, but something was off. She was very, well, tense, really. She is a charming, talented, and kind person by nature. And Bunny is one of those people that you meet and say, oh, holy shit, you're actually a Disney princess. But like, it's not obnoxious. She just is. She can have her moments of social anxiety, but again, in this place, at our friend Kitty's house. It was so comfortable there. We were all 
just completely relaxed and ourselves in that environment because, I mean, who was going to judge us there? Nobody. So I'm observing her being one of the people that had known Bunny the longest outside of her husband, trying to figure out what's got her tense. I also noticed that her husband, the Scorpio, was decidedly not noticing. Not that he hadn't noticed. He was just projecting that he wasn't noticing in deference and respect for his lovely wife, clearly not wanting to talk about whatever was bothering her. Which, at that moment, I was all on board for. But I was worried, and she's my friend. I could always ask her privately later if she didn't want to share in front of the class, or she didn't even have to share with me when I asked later. I'd just let her know that someone else noticed and gave a shit if she wanted to talk, and I was there. But I didn't get to any of that, unfortunately. Um, I went outside to smoke, as I usually did, standing under the porch light and keeping my eyes and ears open for shenanigans. There were neighbors with kids close enough that it wasn't impossible and always a very unsettling surprise just to see an person walking out of the woods or, you know, mountain lions, bobcats, small black bears, ravens the size of small aircraft. All of these things were in Kitty's backyard. And it was the woods in the sticks in northwest Georgia. Like, this wasn't paranoia or typically paranormal. It was just healthy caution. So, I'm out there, I'm paying attention, and I see shadows start to move. Like, inky, black, cannot-see-through-it darkness moving independently of things around it. Under the pear tree around the old shed, and as I observe, they start moving closer. When I tell you that this is odd, let me assure you. Kitty's property has been in her family for generations. She was the youngest of generations of her family to live on that land, and they were very, very much seeped into the property that ancestral heritage just permeated this entire area and her ancestor spirits that hung around protected it she protected it and not just the house like the the very land to the property line they had pride in the fact that that was their land and a few people had their okay to live on it basically this entire property was spiritual fort knox and had been for generations Needless to say, for the shadows to be moving like that with an energy that raised the hair on my arms and turned my stomach was odd. So I opened the door and peeked my head in and asked Kitty if she would step outside with me. No reason to alarm the others if this was something that she knew about and was handling or gods, I didn't know, uh, but it was her house. She deserved to know first. So she steps outside and instantly she felt it and starts looking around. She was like, what the hell? And I was like, yeah, that's actually why I asked you out. I assume this isn't normal. Of course, she affirmed it was not. And I told her what I had been seeing as I finished my cigarette. And she was like, yeah, no, I see it. Like currently get the fuck off my land. She raised her voice like at the darkness. 
And honestly, it lit up quite a bit. We still felt watched and still felt like something was going on, but the moving shadow stopped. At this particular juncture, while we are sort of quietly spitballing what might be going on, call it intuition or the gods whispering in my ear, I don't know, I connected a few dots and took a deep breath and proceeded to explain to Kitty what I had been observing all night with Bunny. I asked her if she thought we should snag Bunny out here and asked why she was upset in case it was related, and Kitty agreed. We did. Lucky for me, uh, Kitty is actually a trained counselor, so the build-up to asking in case it wasn't related on an uncomfortable or potentially uncomfortable topic was nice and gentle and left our mutual friend Bunny plenty of room to not talk about it if she didn't want to without causing her undue stress. Bunny, however, took a deep breath and just let it all out. She explained that she'd not mentioned anything because she didn't want to detract from hangout and gaming and fun times when she had a weird thing happening, but honestly, she'd been wanting to ask Kitty and I about it. Kitty and I are both pretty out loud and proud witches, at the very least with our friends, and it seemed that something had been spying on and following Bunny. Something incorporeal, moving in the shadows. Now, I'm going to pause here to say that for the rest of the evening, as happens sometimes in high-energy situations like this one became, I get some fuzzy details, because after the adrenaline wears off, the big stuff sticks, but the things that were only sort of peripheral were get blurry or sometimes completely lost, honestly. Uh, one strong detail that I remember very vividly from this evening was as Bunny is explaining this and she sort of gets to the natural pause in her story, Kitty was looking so deadly serious at our sweet little Disney princess. The next words out of her mouth were so strongly Southern. She said, oh, hell no, not my friends and not in my fucking house. Like, if I hadn't gotten chills from whatever the darkness was projecting before, I definitely did when Kitty was like, not my house. I was like, okay. So she got real. We asked Bunny if she knew who was sending this to her, could be upset with her, or anything like that. And in fact, she did. Uh, her roommate at the time, and potentially a friend or two of this roommate, had been made mad by Bunny's questioning of their questionable, in my opinion, paradigms. Uh, they'd just been talking about spirituality and things like that, and the roommate shared a couple of things, and they were a couple of things that Bunny didn't really understand, like having deals and relationships with incorporeal beings, and she was honestly just curious trying to figure out where this was coming from from them because she'd never heard of anything like that at the time. Well, I'm not going to go into the ridiculous nature of some of these things, maybe another time, but this young woman had tied herself to 
for what all the descriptions and world appeared to be a demon presenting and pretending to be something else that she believed her romantic love would rehabilitate or some such. Uh, no judgment on anyone's life path. We all have our own personal callings that, you know, mine may seem weird to you, yours may seem weird to me, but that does not invalidate them. And I have no issue as long as you are walking forward with eyes open and you know what you are doing in the entirety of what you are doing. When you're personally threatened by the sweetest individual in the world, genuinely asking simple questions, not to try and blow holes in what you believe or what you're doing, but to try and understand better, initially giving you the benefit of the doubt as your friend that their gut instinct that is screaming, hell no, run away, this is wrong, and maybe maybe they're wrong. Maybe you just have a different perspective they can understand. When that genuine and honestly innocence threatens your fragile identity in these things, maybe look at your life, look at your choices, and considering you might not be doing the capital G good in the world. Or at least maybe you might have made a mistake or two and should, I don't know, recalibrate meditate on it don't talk to your demon boyfriend about it actually do a little soul searching so moving on as we're having these conversations and bunny is telling us her experiences over the last week or so we're standing outside still and we hear what for all the world sounds like either the world's biggest bobcat a decently sized cougar or something of the like in the woods Close enough that the dog started barking, and that this now was the primal hair standing up on the back of the neck, there is danger nearby kind of thing. Again, not terribly uncommon for this area. I didn't think anything of it. But Kitty and Bunny have two very different reactions, and two things are revealed to me in this moment that I did not previously know. Kitty's dogs had been being harassed by a bobcat or a cougar in the days leading up to that day. And they weren't sure, but it appeared to be some sort of big cat. The second thing being that the shadows following Bunny had taken the forms of cats at times. Big cats. So some rather rapid conclusions are drawn. We gathered there at least twice a month or more, usually on the same night or within the same few days each month. This wasn't private knowledge. Uh, a roommate for certain would know these things. And Kitty got very serious and very angry because not only was this upsetting a friend of hers, but now it was also potentially even more personal. Bonnie realized that the big cats on Kitty's property were potentially related to her situation as it was well within the roommate's personality to spy on and fuck with friends of Bunny as well. Hilariously, this roommate had no idea who the hell she was fucking with. Six of the seven people in that house were openly pagan practicing witches. And we all ended up outside doing a banishing, cleansing, and protecting sort of right of the property 
More than once, Kitty's ancestors showed up to help or point out just before a cat cry or something honestly more bone-chilling that none of us recognized went up into the night. Things got closer, and even the chilly air of the season at the time, there were these weird spikes of heat uh, as we basically helped Kitty reestablish her dominance and ownership over her property while telling whatever dark, spooky, obnoxious spies this child or anyone else had sent to basically fuck off. And it worked too, masterfully. When they were gone, pushed back and away over the property line, the air was lighter, crisper, it felt normal again, the shadows weren't as dark anymore, and after that, Bunny didn't have any more problems. I personally came and did a cleansing and house blessing on her house that she lived in at the time, which I found out later pissed off the roommate because apparently she couldn't talk to her demon boyfriend in the house anymore. But I didn't find that out until much later. And eventually, Bunny was able to cut ties with this person from her life entirely, much to the relief of Bunny, her hubs, and friends far and wide. But man, seeing those shadows out there by myself move in a place that I was not accustomed to seeing shadows move and how everything clicked into place and the noises in the dark woods and just how quickly it cleared as soon as those things were evicted by force of will, nothing was as bone chilling as the look on Kitty's face when she said, not my friends and not in my fucking house. So really those things and that roommate never stood a chance. And that is my spooky story for the week. Our listener story for the week comes from Megan, and I have glanced over it just so I have an idea of where I'm going, and you guys, ooh, I hope you're sitting down. If you're not, you should sit down. So, Megan writes, Suppression. It can happen in any number of ways and isn't bound to the physical constraints of our world. Looking back as an adult, it's how I define my childhood. I can say with a certain confidence that I'm lucky to still be alive. I've had plenty of positive, wonderful encounters with spirits throughout the years, but the disquieting fact is that not all of them have our best interests at heart. You see, in order for there to be light, there must be darkness, and in order for there to be good, there must be evil. All families have demons, whether it's addiction, abuse, depression, or disputes but my families were a little more literal. I spent my childhood in the rural foothills of the Appalachian Mountains around the area where the Bible Belt meets the Tornado Alley. My mother came from a genteel Jewish family, hailing from a wealthy part of Atlanta and spurned by our rural community for, quote, stealing one of their beloved country boys, my father. She was only 18 when they ran off together, but I could always see the regret in her eyes years and years later. That's sad. I hate that small town mindset, man. I grew up in that too, so you have my sympathy. My father, on the other hand, came from red-blooded Irish stock who somehow made their way to America just long enough ago to gain southern accents and rampant racism. Loud, angry, and always ready to throw down for Jesus, they were a whirlwind of bickering, fervent prayer, and judgment and they all hated my mother for her background. Ooh, that's rough. 
we're not to the scary parts, but like it's already scary. My grandmother was the ringleader on my dad's side of the family and a bona fide self-published, self-proclaimed prophet of God. Wow. And she was never too shy to inform anyone of this fact. Mama Fire, she called herself. As a result of believing that she was a prophet, she naturally founded her own church, a monstrosity formed from the dead husk of a furniture store in an otherwise empty strip mall just outside of town. It was to this, quote, church that I was often dragged on days where my grandmother watched me. You've got my gift, she would croak as she drove me there. You'll have to take over the church when I'm gone. The church always unsettled me, even as a four-year-old. It was a place where adults screamed in agony and ecstasy, clapping their jaws and stomping their feet, all while chattering in eerie, disjointed language. There was a tank specifically for venomous snakes that the congregation would sometimes drape across their bodies in a show of faith and domination over evil. I have never been to a snake handling church before in my life. There was one very close to where I grew up, and my uncle who lived in Atlanta would always make fun of it. Be like, yeah, we have to pass the snake handlers to get up here. But like, genuinely, it is a terrifying concept that I have no interest in ever seeing. The fact that you were exposed to that as a child is horrifying, and I am so sorry. I'd see people tell my grandmother their illness or troubles and watch her push them off the stage, yelling loudly that they had been healed as she did it. Nobody there ever seemed to notice the shadows dancing around the corners of the room like a dark waltz. It was deep winter when it finally happened. Although it was probably only 5.30 or 6 p.m., it was pitch black outside, and I was sitting in the pews watching the adults carry on with their usual nonsense. I was dreadfully bored during these sessions, and I would usually use the time to people watch since I hadn't yet learned how to read. After all, I was four. I caught eyes with a little boy in a row further back. He was maybe a year older than me. I knew him from having attended the church before. He was a frail, sweet boy whose family tended to bully him. But it wasn't just the boy that captured my attention. It was the thing standing behind him that struck ice through my veins. One of the shadows completely surrounded his being like a halo of pure black. I shuddered and turned back towards the front of the room where my grandmother was preaching. My head pounded and it felt like the air in the room had gone heavy. I concentrated on breathing and tears formed in my eyes. I was sweating now feeling as though I was fighting a crushing weight all around me. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I repeated the chorus of the song over and over again in my head, while I imagined that I was Princess Leia resisting Darth Vader's interrogation. Hell yes, girl, hell yes. Four-year-old me didn't know what the words were, but picturing a light and visualizing my ideal picture of strength was probably the best thing I could have done given my resources as a child. Time slowed down. And then suddenly, it was going to... No, three times as fast as it normally did. I was slammed with a cacophony of sound and violence. The little boy who I'd locked eyes with earlier was barreling through the pews, laughing just a little too deeply and shoving adults aside like they were toys. He let out the occasional high-pitched shriek, 
which contrasted sharply with the basely cackle. Oh, we've got one. I heard my grandma yell from the tiny stage. She raced down the aisle, grabbing three burly men along the way. I'll never forget what I saw that day. Three men wrestled the little boy to the ground, all while he roared and growled. All I could make out was, you are part of the kingdom. Glory be to the kingdom. Here we have paradise. Just typing the words sends chills up my spine. I, my stomach literally just turned reading those words. There's nothing, there's nothing about those words in particular that are upsetting. Like, I mean, that's just the spiel and a lot of good people in a religion that follow very similar things, but similar is not the same. And I am honestly now nauseous. Hang on, need a minute. Another man joined the fray, trying to restrain the little boy, but to no avail. He wrestled his arms from the grasp and ran backwards while laughing all the way. The speed at which he moved backwards was disturbing enough, but when he reached the back of the building, he continued to move upwards. Oh no, I have goosebumps. I don't like this. Writhing his body halfway up the wall like a snake slithering. Oh no, Jesus is not in that house. My grandmother marched up to him, screaming every kind of insult she could muster, laughing at him and telling him how sad he was and to leave the little boy alone. At one point, it was nearly indistinguishable who was the exorcist and who was being exorcised. I watched it all wide-eyed until the little boy fell from the wall into a crumpled heap on the floor. His parents rushed over and instead of comforting him, They roughly grabbed him and screamed at him more, his little body shaking as tears formed in his eyes. I don't remember what happened from there as I finally remembered my feet and had bolted from the church into the darkness, sobbing and crying in fear. My parents never made me go back to my grandmother's church after that day, and from that time on, I could always see a little hint of a sneer on her face, no matter how happy she seemed. The only time she truly smiled was when demons were afoot. And what Grandma wanted, Grandma got. Some people call evil to themselves, and now, as a witch, I've learned to be wary of people who just... who seem just a little too eager to pry the darkness from the cracks in the universe. I briefly forgot this fact in my mid-twenties, but that's a story for another day. Okay, um... When, if I can... I'm gonna buy you a drink because good night that is upsetting as hell. The fact that that exists in people in the world is horrifying to me. Uh, The fact that that happened to a child, the fact that now, of course, there's a part of me that's always going to wonder whatever happened to that little boy. Like he needs a fucking hug and like, fuck his parents. I'll be his mom. Like good Lord. First of all, actual first of all, thank you for sharing this. This is a very deeply personal and I'm sure personally terrifying. So I'm, I'm grown. I'm 35 years old girl. And like, I'm sitting here terrified of this. You were four. Fuck yeah. Princess Leia. Fuck yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing this. This could not have been an easy thing to write. And I am honored that you would be willing to share this with me and the podcast and 
knowing that it's going to be read to a bunch of people. So thank you for that. Uh, second of all, fuck that entire story. Like, bump all of that. Uh, that is, wow. I mean, I'm not really speechless, but I'm kind of speechless. So that is terrifying. And I guess what we're here for, but like at the same time, good Lord. But yeah, thank you for sharing. And that spooky people is our uh, listener story for the week. And I think probably in the top three of the scariest stories I've ever heard in my life. Our witchy tip for this week has to do with retrogrades, and I'm going to pull a tarot card to see what uh, to keep in mind over the next few days. I do have an episode where I sort of explain what Mercury retrograde is. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but if you've not heard it, it's there. You can can definitely go take a listen. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on what Mercury retrograde or any of the retrogrades, because all the planets do it, uh, what those are necessarily. However, I have pulled up a site called WeMissedIt.com, and they have an article on retrograde planets for 2020 that succinctly sort of covers what to expect. Mercury will go back into direct as of March 10th. So Mercury retrograde will be over March 9th. And Mercury retrograde is in Pisces at this time. We have five days left. And it refers us to the link with the spiritual path of choice, the review of projects of an artistic or creative nature, encourages us to redefine healthy boundaries and rediscover one's sensitivity without prejudice. Also, Mercury retrograde in Aquarius invites you to reevaluate your ideas, projects, retake old plans, participate in exchange of opinions with groups, contact old friends, and privilege the rational. Additionally, there's some thunder happening right now. I don't know if it'll pick up on the microphone, but it's been uh, rainy and stormy here for the last few days. So if you hear that, that's going on. And then luckily, we don't have another retrograde of any kind until April 25th, uh, where Pluto will go into retrograde. And that is further out, but, you know, even, well, I'll just read what they have here. While Pluto is currently listed as a dwarf planet, not a planet, its astrological influence remains relevant. Their retrogradations invite us to face the fears of the individual and the shadow aspects of the personality, the obsessions, the traumas, and the secrets that comes to light, the transformation potential, and conscious sexuality. So Pluto retrograde is going to be in Capricorn and aims to rethink the path to realization, question yourself about the use you give to your personal power. It also refers us to excessive ambition, the obsession with power, the illusion of control, and the symbolic death of the ancient concept of success and destructive beliefs. So we will have a break from a retrograde between March 10th to April 25th, which means that that should be a ostensibly good time to make forward movement as all planets will be direct. When the Pluto retrograde does come up, keep these things in mind as utilizing that energy can be very productive 
Pluto is just one aspect of it all, naturally. So being introspective there can help further goals in other areas. In modern astrology, Pluto is considered the driving force behind the great internal transformations and regeneration. In addition, it is associated with power, sexuality, and emotional control. Pluto will actually be in retrograde from April to October because it's so far out, the slow orbit, all of that. So it's not really something that you can avoid and you shouldn't necessarily put off any goals between April and October, but it will be a time to take those energies into mind and sort of focus them internally. So with all of that being said, let us draw a card. We have the Queen of Pentacles. The Queen of Pentacles is a feminine energy. She represents generosity, liberality, sensuality, abundance, resourcefulness, and wealth. She is a woman who has the world at her fingertips and knows how to gently caress it in the direction that it needs to go for her to be able to achieve her goals. All queens are resourceful in one way or the other. The Queen of Pentacles is tied to earth and wealth and fortune and is a very sort of Venusian energy to particularly the card in my deck. It is luxury and desires and things like that, which is why sensuality and liberality, being liberal and being liberated are two different things. So obviously there's different words for them. Inverted, she can be greed, dependency, sense of entitlement, irresponsibility, and consumption. So gluttony. And she was not reversed, so there is a positive energy with this card for this next week as we exit retrograde and enter a time of driving forward. You know, keep an eye on your bank account, make smart investments, both with your money and with your time and with your personal power, and just make sure that you are doing what is best for you, for your family, for the things that you find to be important. Because apparently the, the universal energies coming out of this Mercury retrograde for this next week are going to be supporting you in those endeavors. So thank you to Megan once more for sharing her deeply personal story. If you have a story that you would like to share with the podcast, uh, please send it to thatspookylife at gmail.com. I am always happy to read it and always happy to share I really, really appreciate everybody who has submitted thus far, and I have a couple of stories coming up. I have never not had a story for a podcast, and considering that this is a weekly show, that just shows me that you guys are amazing. I am super appreciative of the fact that you're here, that you listen, that you care, that you want to share these stories, and that we're riding riding the spooky bus together. Uh, Having someone out there, having multiple people out there who are interested in and research and have experienced similar things 
is very heartwarming and affirming and you guys are wonderful and I know I say that a lot but I genuinely mean it I genuinely love each and every one of you guys for listening and I appreciate it so very much that and you guys make up half this podcast this is for all of us y'all stories are for each other for me just as much as my stories are for you guys I love it I'm so glad that we're here together sharing this crazy journey so until next week I hope that you have the wonderful energies of the queen of pentacles lead you into a strong march or even just for this next week. We'll see. We may draw another tarot card before then and see what happens. So thank you for joining me. And until we speak again next week, keep living that spooky life. Bye.